I preached this sermon almost exactly 18 months ago to the day. Um, it was one of those random sermons that I preached out of John 14. As you know, presently we're making our way verse by verse through the entire book. But about 18 months ago, I preached it uh, right around the first of the year as, as an exhortation for us to radically obey the Lord in 2017. And we can do that because He's God and because of these amazing promises that we have, particularly uh, through this part of the Gospel of John. So for those of you who were here 18 months ago, not many I don't think, but there may be a handful of you. Uh, poor Chene Lo, I know she's probably heard this sermon uh, at least once and maybe twice. It's a big deal for me. God changed my life with John 14.21. Those of you who've been in the church for very long, you know that. I've shared this story um, sometimes, and I'm going to share it in detail tonight. Um, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you're seeking God, you don't know what's going to happen. You think you know what's going to happen, but you have no idea what God may do today as you seek Him. As Jesus began John 14, He said, Let not your heart be troubled. He's going away and His disciples are troubled. That's exactly what they are. They're very troubled. They're about to enter into a great trial and tremendous emotional stress and upheaval. And Jesus is talking to them and He's making these amazing promises to them. And we see that in the text in John 14. I want to begin with one of my favorite Christian apologists, C.S. Lewis tonight. You guys know him, famous 20th century English scholar. He writes, once a man follows God, how could he not live forever? Makes sense, right? And then he says, once a man refuses to follow God, what can he do but wither and die, right? Doesn't that make sense? If you go with God, you'll live. If you don't, you'll die. It's your choice. You know, God's an amazing God. He does that work of redemption. Then He says, here I am. You can have me if you want me. It's up to you. It's up to you. Please come in. Please. It's up to you. This free choice that God gives us. He says, you decide. You decide if you want me. Yeah, I'm an awesome God. I'm an amazing God. I'm a breathtaking God. But hey, if you don't want me, you can have the world. It's amazing, just an amazing, uh, I mean, the gospel. I, it's like I, I say, I don't know why there's not 10,000 people in here trying to hear and understand about how to be reconciled to our Creator. I mean, I understand it theologically, but this is the best news that has ever fallen upon the ears of men. So I'll just stop and ask you, in, re, in relation to C.S. Lewis's quote, what have you decided? Have, have, have everyone, has everyone in here decided, I'm going to go with God? Has everyone decided I love God? Has everyone decided I'm giving myself away to God? Have you decided? I'm going to challenge you tonight if you haven't decided. If you haven't decided, you need to decide. It's the most important decision that you will make. Again, God says, here I am. I do what I do. You decide if you want Me. You decide if you're going to believe Me or not. You decide if you're going to walk with Me. You decide if you find out who you're supposed to be in My Son. You may think you know who you are, but if you're not in Christ, you don't know who you're supposed to be. 
God has an amazing plan for His people. Let me quote one more Englishman and we'll move on. Some of you will know this name, Oswald Chambers, 20th century minister in England. God brings us to a place where He asks us to believe Him and obey Him, but too often we begin to debate with Him. That moment becomes a great crossroads in our lives, and we have to decide for God or against God. I'm asking you tonight, will you decide for God? Are you deciding for God? Have you decided for God? Or are you just playing religion with Him? Listen, as I always, as I always like to say, God hates religion. He hates pretense. So please, don't anybody in this room play religion with God. Not with the living God. Do not play religion with Him. It's a stench in His nostrils. What is, God, what is Christianity? What is Christianity about? Is it about religion? What's it about? It's about a relationship. Amen? It's about a born-again relationship. And that's what God is after in the lives of His people. You remember what David told his son uh, Solomon. He said, if you seek God, He will let you find Him. What a great promise, right? If you seek God, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake God, He will reject you forever. Again, it's your choice. You decide. Do you want your Maker? Do you want your Creator? Do you want to live forever with Him? Or do you want to live forever outside the presence of God? He says, you decide. Beloved, this is huge. This is huge. We can, you know, two of my favorite Old Testament stories, we can make this contrast. You remember the Old Testament Jews, the Exodus Jews, they came to Kadesh Barnea. And God said, I'll give you the land, go in. What happened? Remember? They decided not to go in. They didn't think God was God enough, right? I bet in a group this size, we have a small group, but I bet in a group this size, some of you may think God's not God enough. I don't think I can trust Him in the real world. Well, the Jews died in the wilderness. They, they decided against God, right? There's another, one of, my old, uh, one of my favorite Old Testament stories, Gideon. You remember Gideon? Outnumbered 450 to 1, right? And uh, <laughs> they decided to believe. Gideon and his 300 guys, they decided to believe God. And what, what happened? An amazing victory. A supernatural victory. A victory people are still talking about. <laughs> you decide, right? God says you decide. That's what the Lord, one of the things the Lord is saying to us tonight. I love Amos 5.4. Seek me that you might live. I'm not talking about, you know, when God invites us into life, He's not talking about inhaling and exhaling. He's talking about walking with the living God. Some of you will remember 1995. Some of you are way too young. But a great movie came out in 1995. Uh, at least it had some, it was a good story. A little bit bloody. It's called Braveheart. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Braveheart. There's a great line in that movie. I've never forgotten it. Braveheart has been captured. He's about to be executed. And his woman comes to him and says, you're going to die. You're going you're to die. It's going to be bad. She's weeping. And Braveheart says, every man dies. Anybody know how that finishes? Not every man dies. 
Men love this movie. <laughs> every man dies, but not every man really lives. And Jesus is inviting you and me and every human being on the planet to really live. And you can because He's God. And you can because of some of these awesome promises that we're beginning to see in John 14. So, yeah. Part of the exhortation tonight is to not settle. Don't settle. Go with God. Walk with God. So, John 14.21, as I briefly shared a few minutes ago, God radically changed my life with John 14.21. I'll just read it to you again. Jesus says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is He who loves me, and He who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I love Him, and I will disclose myself to Him. Twenty-five years ago, I got up one morning, and I thought it was just like any other morning. I had no idea the upheaval that I would go through that day. I had no idea God would come to me in a very personal way through His Word and radically change who I was. This is what happens when you seek the Lord. <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is what happens. It's like David told Solomon, if you seek Him, you'll find Him. You will. So, it's a beautiful, beautiful promise. It's a beautiful promise. So, John 14.21 I say it to the young adults all the time. You have to know this verse, man. You have to know this verse. You have to live this verse. If you know this verse and believe this verse, then you actually will live the life God intended for you to live. So, John 14, upper room. Judas is gone. Jesus is teaching His guys. He will be crucified within hours. So, before we pick up in the text, let me just share with you my personal story. Sometimes it's good for a pastor to give a testimony, so a little bit of a testimony tonight. Sometimes it's good. You guys need to know that you know I'm not an empty suit up here, that I've actually walked with the Lord and I've had some experiences with Him. So, this story is not about how strong Pastor Jim is. And I want you to understand that. If you're listening, you, you'll, you'll get that. This story is not about how good or strong I am. This story is about how faithful God is. It's about how cowardly Jim found strength in God and was able to be a man. Okay? That's what this story is about. It's not about me beating my chest. It's about me pointing to a God who is your rock and who is your strong tower. So, a little bit of a testimony. As some of you know, I was in business for 20 years before I went to seminary. In business, I was a in the States, I was a certified public accountant. I worked as the comptroller of several medium-sized companies. And that was my job. I was in charge of all the financial uh, affairs of these companies. And one day, my boss, who was a bad guy, nice guy on the outside, bad guy on the inside, as I got to know him uh, pretty closely, he came and he asked me to do something illegal. We both knew it was illegal, having to do with with money. We both knew that it was illegal. And in the providence of God, I did not have to answer him immediately. I was able to excuse myself and go to lunch. Well, what I was doing at that time in my life 
I was teaching uh, a Bible class of 300 men. So I would go and, and I would study and prepare during my lunch hour uh, for that class. Um, and I'm crying out to God, Lord, help me be a man, right? Okay, I got a stay at home wife, two kids, a dog, a cat, two finches, and a mortgage. I cannot lose my job. I am very, very afraid. And I'm crying out to God, God, help me be the man I know I'm supposed to be. And I'm sitting there in my little 310. Anybody remember Datsun? I'm in my little 310 Datsun hatchback, parked under the tree, eating my a quarter pounder with cheese. I'm doing my Bible study lesson and I'm talking with God. And I'm saying, Lord, I need Your help. I can't lose this job. But I can't do this thing that's illegal. I can't do it. Coincidentally, God takes me to John 14, 21 in my Bible study. Of course, I don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> in eternity past, God had designed that on that day, I would be in John 14, 21, and He would radically change me. As I simply would believe His Word. So, I'm sitting in my little 310 hatchback, and I'm crying out to God to help me. And He does. You know, I told you last week or the week before that John 14 is often compared to, to Psalm 23. Because of the beauty of it, and many, and because of the promises of it, and I was thinking about Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Psalm twenty-three, six: "Your beauty and love chase after me every day." And I'm sitting in my little three ten hatchback, right, and I'm crying out to God, and I and I realize His beauty and love are chasing after me right now. He's taking me to the perfect passage. It's exactly what I needed to be a man. I can't be a man unless I have God's Word. I'll fold every time. And you will too. You'll fold in the world. You will fold in the world if you're not mighty in the Scriptures. And if you don't know the promises that God has made to you. I love Isaiah 51.12. God says, I, even I, am He who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid? Right? I'm sitting in my little 310 and I'm, I'm, I'm trembling in my spirit. And God takes me also to Isaiah 51.12. Who are you to be afraid? I'm God! You're my Son! Buck up! Right? Be a man. So you pick up here. Let me pick up here. In verse 15. And I'll finish the story in a minute. Verse 15. Jesus says, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. How simple is that? I'll just ask you, do you love Him? You know. It really is important what you say. That's, that's important. It's important what you say. It's way more important what you do. Jesus says, if you love Me, 
you will keep my commandments. We're not Pharisees. We're not legalists, right? We don't do. We don't. We don't. We don't perform to be loved by Christ. We are loved by Christ. We in turn love Christ, and because we love Christ, we obey Christ. Again, we're not religious uh, legalists or Pharisees in this regard. These are deeds and works that flow out of our love for Him, right? So I want to make sure that we understand it. These, the way we live is the overflow of the relationship. It's relational. It's not academic. It's not religious. It's not doctrinal. It's not dogma. It's I know Him and I love Him. That's what it always comes down to. That's what real Christianity always comes down to. So Jesus calls us to obedience. And obedience is not a real popular concept in the world, right? To one degree or another, we all chafe under authority. It's human nature. It's fallen human nature. We all chafe under authority. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy, right? (laughs) If you walk with Him, you understand that that is true. The Bible's view is completely different from the world's view. God calls walking with Him freedom. Right? You remember the, you remember the text, John 18, 31, 32. If you abide in Me and in My Word, you are truly My disciple. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Real freedom is in the Word of God. Some of you probably are captive to fear. God says, I set you free. Who are you to be afraid of man? What can mere man do to you? It's why I read the psalm that I read. What can mere man do? You're, I'm your Father. I'm God. I speak trillions of galaxies into existence. What are you afraid of? I have all the power in the cosmos. Don't be afraid. I'm your Father and I love you. So Jesus is encouraging the guys in the storm, right? We know that the storm... Those of you who've lived very many years, you know the storm is coming. There's always another storm coming. There's always, a, there's always storms in this life. In this life, you will have trouble, as Jesus said a couple of weeks ago. We know that the storm is coming. I, I woke up back in 1992 that morning. I had no idea what kind of storm was going to enter into my life. I had no idea that my job was on the line that day. I had no idea. But God says, build your life on the rock. And when the storm comes, what? You know, the, you know the parable, right? When the storm comes, you'll stand. Your house will stand. Because you've built your life on the rock. It's what the Lord was teaching me in my little 310 back in 1992. I could weather this storm. And as I sit in that little car, (laughs) he was asking me, Jim, do you really love me? Do you really believe me? Are you just like a Sunday morning guy? Are you just one of those guys that shows up, you know, and it just performs for, you know, his friends and family to see? There's no true love for me. 
There's no true desire to walk with me and know me and make me great in the world as you love me and obey me. None of that's really going on, or is it? We'll find out today. Today we find out. We find out who you really are today in the middle of the storm. Will you stand on me? Will you stand on the rock or not? This is what was going on. He said, today, your family is at risk. Will you believe me? I'll be honest with you, I was scared. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So, you know what I'm talking about. You know that great text, Luke 6.46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? We understand the implications there. Verse 16 and 17, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the the world cannot receive because it does not behold Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. This is one of those promises that that God gives that no no man in his right mind would ever ask for. Let me ask you, would you ask God that maybe He would indwell you with the third member of the Trinity? Would you ever think to ask God about this? Would you ever presume to ask God such a thing? But God just gives it. (laughs) He not only saves you, He indwells you. This is breathtaking. If you stop and think about it for 120 seconds, it's absolutely breathtaking. You know, this is why it's impossible to be a real Christian and not be radically changed. If the third member of the Trinity now resides in your soul, you will not live like the world. I'm not saying you'll be sinless and you won't make mistakes. I'm not saying that, but you will not love the world. You will love God. You will love the Word of God. You will be different. Because He's in you. It's what Jesus is saying. The Spirit is coming to you. In fact, later on He'll say, it's good for me that I go because you get the Spirit of God. It's an amazing, amazing promise that God makes to His people. I love, again, my favorite preacher in the States, John Piper. I love what he says. You know, He says, if the Bible doesn't blow your mind, you're not understanding it. If your mind's not blown, that God says, I'll indwell you and empower you to be mighty in the world as you're my witness among men. Yeah, our minds should be blown. So, this is part of the miracle of conversion, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We know what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Christianity is supernatural. It's always supernatural. You know, people come to me and say, Jim, uh, make me a Christian. I can't, I, I, I own that. I can't make you a Christian. I can't, I can't pronounce you a Christian. That's between you and God. Has God changed your heart? Has God done a miracle? Have you been born again? I'm happy to baptize you if you uh, can make that confession to me that you have been radically changed. But I can't pronounce you a Christian. Only God can do that. 
People come to me sometimes and say, Jim, do you think I'm a Christian? I say, you're asking the wrong person. You need to talk to God. You know, we can look at your life. We can go through 1 John together and, and say, well, are, are the fruits of, of uh, discipleship in your life? We can look at 1 John, the book of assurance. We can always do that. So, I'm parked under that tree in 1992 and God says, Jim, I am with you. I am in you. Go back to your boss and be a man. Right? (laughs) Go be a man. You go do it. I'm with you. You have everything you need. It's true, isn't it? If you're a Christian... You have everything you need. He hasn't left one thing undone. You have everything you need to be a radical disciple in the world. You can do it because of what He's done in your behalf. God says, Jim, go be the man you want to be. Go be the man I've called you to be. You have all that you need. Verse 19 After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live, you shall live also. Jesus is simply saying that after His death, the world will see Him no more, but believers will. How do believers see Jesus? How do we see Him? It was happening to me in 1992, parked under that tree. I'm seeing Him in the Word, right? He's actually talking to me through the Word of God. And He's you know, encouraging me to be who I want to be. I can't be who I want to be without Him. But He's he's appearing to me through the Word. And if you're not in the Word, you've cut yourself off from encountering on a daily basis the living God. He comes to His people in the Word. This is... Normative. He comes to his people through the word. You know, if you don't pick up the word, it's it's a it's kind of a big message to him. You don't need him or want him. And I'm just so thankful. You know, I'm so thankful I, I was teaching that class. I'm so thankful I was studying John 14. I'm so thankful that I had to do that. I had to prepare to teach. You know, I've told people many times. I think I'm in the ministry because I'm so weak, right? I, I mean, I'm, God keeps me in the ministry because I have to be in the Bible every day to talk intelligibly and helpfully to, to, to people, people in the congregation to counsel and teach. So, it's my job to be in the Word and I need to be in the Word. I'm so weak, I have to be in the Word. And guess what? You are too. Whether you own that for yourself or not, you need to be in the Word. Beloved, we all definitely need to be in the Word. Verse 20, In that day you shall know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Now, (laughs) this is one of those verses that's too awesome to speculate. God says this a couple of times. Jesus is going to say it again in John 17.3 as He prays to His Father in that great high priestly prayer. Did you hear what He said? I am in the Father, the Father is in me, you are in us. What is God saying? It's another breathtaking thing. Somehow we're caught up into the glory of God. I don't want to say too much here because I can't parse it, 
You know, one theologian said without any sacrilege meant at all, very humbly, he said, it's almost like, it's not, but it's almost like, it's not, but it's almost like we're the fourth member of the Trinity. If you read the language, it's just stunning the oneness that we have in Christ Jesus with God. It's just absolutely stunning. You know, what's astonishing to me is Christians profess to believe these things and then they go in the world and their Christianity is this big in the world. You know what I'm saying? It's always shocking to me. And I, I understand the inclination to be in the world and you live your Christianity this big. But that day back in 1992, <laughs> God says, hey, you're not going to live it small today. We're either, you're either all in or you're not in. Right? That was the challenge that He was putting before me. So we had this mysterious oneness with God it, it's beyond exposition and I won't try to exposit it any further. Jim, go be a man. You are in me and I am in you. Believe me. Trust me. Be courageous. Act. It's what He says to you every day. It's what He says to each of us. Every day. So I'm getting pretty jacked up, right? The fear is starting to leave and the power of God is coming in, right? <laughs> the fear is starting to leave me and the power is starting to come. And then I read verse 21. I've already read to you twice. I'll read it one more time. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. If you drop down to verse 23, Jesus says it again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Verse 24, first part says it negatively. He who does not love me does not keep my word. Okay, so why should the Christian obey? From verse 21. Why should we obey? Oh, because we're good little boys and girls. No, because I'm a good Baptist. That's why. Oh, no. Because I'm a, I'm a moral man. I would, I'm an ethical man. I would never do anything illegal. No, that's not it. Why should the Christian obey What's the Word? What's the promise of God? God says, if you obey Me, I come to you and give Myself to you. This is the intoxicating promise that God opened up for me that day at lunch in 1992. I decided right then, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to risk the financial solvency of my home and family because I want disclosure. And let me ask you, if you haven't gotten to this place with God yet that you're obeying Him for disclosure, you're cheating yourself. You've got to understand, in obedience we get God in a brand new way. Disclosure, beloved. Go out there and live and get disclosure. It's what you really need and want. You want disclosure. You want more of God, right? 
If you're thinking rightly, you want more of God. This was just a, this changed my whole world. It changed my whole life. Why do you obey, Jim? I want you. That's why. I want you. I'm going to go tell my boss no because I get you. And I, I give you my, my personal testimony. I got God in a brand new way. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to challenge you to find out what I'm talking about. <laughs> you go obey God. You know where God's calling you right now. You know, every, every Christian in this room, you know right now where God's challenging you. You, you know. You know. It's, it's, it's right here. It's right here. You know. Go, go obey. Claim John 14.21. Go obey. And see what the Lord does. Verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? What does Jesus say? Keep my word. Okay, to keep his word, what's the, what's the, uh, the predicate? If we're going to keep his word, we have to what? Know it. So, do you know it? Do you know his word? Are you ear deep in it? Christianity is not really very hard. It's actually quite simple. I come by faith and I eat the Word. It's my bread. It's my meat. And God builds me up and makes me the man I was intended to be. I looked at the Greek lexicon here on disclosure. It just means I will appear, I will manifest, I will show, I will declare myself, I will exhibit myself, I will come into view, I will make myself known to you. If you're hearing it right, that lands on you huge. It lands on you in a way that should be life-altering. I obey not because I'm a good member of the church. I obey because I get more of God. It's habit-forming, beloved. For those of you who have not yet begun that journey, it's habit-forming. It's the best way to live. It's the most fun way to live. Yeah, sometimes it's hard, but it's still the best way to live. Okay, so God is saying, go back. Respectfully tell your boss that you can't do anything illegal. And I'll take care of you and your family. <laughs> and God says, put your love on display. Put your love for me on display. Make me famous in that company. Make me famous in the life of your boss and in the life of your subordinates. Let them know why you won't do this. God said, love me, obey me, and I will show myself to you. You go do what I'm asking you to do, and I got your back. So, I went back to the office, and I told my boss no. And he says, you're out of here. And I said, I'll see you later.
Two weeks later, I had the best job I ever had in business. This is the best job I've ever had. With a much greater income stream and career path. Two weeks. Now, God doesn't always work that fast. This is not quid pro quo. This is not tit for tat. Sometimes God works more slowly than that. Sometimes, you know, Christians obey God and lose everything. I I don't want us to lose the balance of, of what the Scripture teaches us. But in my situation, God immediately picked me up and changed my whole life. changed my whole life. I just want to make sure you understand. If you go study Hebrews 11, some some were delivered by the edge of the sword, some perished by the edge of the sword. You know, we obey God and we leave the consequences to God, right? This is what true, true believers do. You say, well, if I get quid pro quo, if I get tit for tat, then, then I'll obey God. That's a good formula. It's like, you know, that's a good formula. I, I, can, I can go with that. We don't really know what God's going to do. What? Daniel was delivered. Stephen was stoned. The consequence of obedience we leave with God. Was God any less faithful to Stephen? Who was with Stephen while he was stoned? Do you remember the account? Who was with Stephen? The heavens opened up and Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Jesus met Stephen. Yeah, and disclosed Himself to him as He had not disclosed Himself to most men. So, this was an amazing, amazing turn of events for me. And what I want to say to you, I'm convinced, in retrospect, if I had not obeyed God that day, I would not be standing here. Because God gave me the new career path with the new uh, Fortune 100 company, John Deere. And He made me whole financially, which I wasn't at that time. And which ultimately gave me the ability to go to seminary, to quit my job and go to seminary. All I'm saying to you is, if I had been a chicken that day, if I had decided to to not go with God that day, I probably am not standing here. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be. My point to you is this every day matters. And when you get up in the morning, you have no idea what's coming. You have no idea what tests and trials are coming. You have no idea. My challenge to you, I lovingly say to you as your pastor, be ready. Be ready. Be ready to obey God when it looks costly, risky, and hard. Be ready. Have your your Word with you. Have the Word with you. Have your sword with you so you can meet the challenge. So why does the Christian obey? Because we ought to. Because we should. Yes, we ought to and we should, but that's not why we ultimately obey. We obey 
because we get God. We obey because we love Him. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, this promise is not for you. These promises are not for you. If you're not born again, if you're not in love with Christ, if you have not surrendered your life to Him, these promises are not for you. If you do not know Him in this way, I invite you to come and speak with me. I'm happy to speak with you about this. God says, here I am. Why then should you die? (laughs) That's from Isaiah and Ezekiel. Here I am. Why should you die? Not only that, here I am. Why don't you live? I mean, why don't you really live? Every man dies. Not every man really lives. And God is calling us into life, beloved. He's calling us into life. I don't have to tell you this. You're all smart people. Even for those of you who are not so smart. You're not here for very long. As compared to eternity... You're not here very long, even if you get your 82 years. That's nothing compared to a billion eternities. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? We talked about it two weeks ago or three. Invest in the kingdom as Jesus exhorted us. Invest in the kingdom. Be rich in the things of God. If you are a Christian tonight, man, go live this promise. Go live it. And don't ever look back. And you won't regret it. I promise you won't regret it. There may be some hard times, but you won't regret it. God will be with you. Cool stuff, cool God stuff will happen in your life. God says, I am who I am. I do what I do. You decide if you love me or not. You decide if you'll follow me or not. You decide if you're going to get busy living or get busy dying. C.S. Lewis is almost always right. And he says, once a man follows God, how could he not live forever? Once a man refuses to follow God, What can he do but wither and die? Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to you. You know, if I could hand this off to you, I would. This is one of the most important things I have ever learned. You want to be free? You want to live huge? You want to hear God say, Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Master? You want to know God? You want to live a life that ripples eternity? You want to live 
You want to you leave a string of, of converted men and women in your wake? Live John 14.21. God will do awesome things in you and through you. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, this is a breathtaking text. It's just sheer freedom. It's just license. Yes, we can live like disciples. Yes, we ought to live like disciples. You are with us. You are in us. We are in You. You have made every provision for us. And then You make this astonishing promise that as we obey You, You will disclose Yourself to us. Father, this is breathtaking. Father, there may be those here tonight that don't know anything about a relationship with You. I pray that Your Spirit would come and open their heart and teach and change. Father, there are some here that are truly born again who know and love You but have been afraid. Lord, I pray that You will drive home this amazing promise. Lord, help each of us to long for and crave and desire disclosure. You tell us how it is that we can have more of You. It is simple obedience. So Lord, each of us have issues of obedience in our life. I pray that we will walk out of here determined to obey. We need Your help, Father. We are all weak and frail. We are made of dust. You know our frame. So we cry out to You, great and awesome, enabling God. Help us, we pray. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, His wonderful name, the name before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The name of Jesus, we pray in His name. Amen. Let's stand together and I'll dismiss us with a benediction. Yes, we will have musicians next week. Chinelo, thanks again. Um, our band leader will be back next week. Next week, praise God. He took his wife on a romantic anniversary trip. So I can't. I gave him a hard time. I teased him a lot. So I can't believe you're abandoning me, right? But you know, you got to admire a man who deals with his wife in a romantic way. So uh, they took a motorcycle trip. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Beloved, you heard an amazing promise today. My exhortation to you is to go live that promise. Have a great week. God bless. Hope to see you next week. Next week's our last time together uh, until uh, September 2nd. So hope to see you again. God bless.